cliffcentral.com. Hello, JJ Cornish. Hello, can you hear me now? Perfectly. That's marvelous. You have no idea how good that feels. So, JJ, um, first of all, everybody's saying that we, we need to come to your house and redo your internet for you because uh, obviously you know, that's the problem. You know, I say to you what you say to the government leave me alone. Leave me alone. I've been in this house for 20 years. It's pretty cool. You know, the last time. I've been listening to you for 40 minutes and I, I wanted, I wanted in a, in, in, in a short sentence to sum up what you were saying about Jacob Zuma's children. Yes. The uneducatable. Yeah. Well, the simple line on that is you can't polish a turd. Spot on. You know what? That's why, that's why we, there's nothing you could do. You just, you just did in, in a, in a, in a 30 second clip what I, I took 20 minutes to say. So you see, JJ, this is why we need you on the show every week. You're, you're, you're succinct (laughs) to the point and you know what you're talking about. So let's get to the things that you want to talk about for this morning. There's a lot happening on the continent. This is brought to you by the Johannesburg Business School and it's called African Analysis. JJ Cornish is here to share with us his, um, insights into in this case, Mozambique. Let's just talk about Mozambique for a second because we've been so obsessed with our own affairs here in South Africa for the last while, and justifiably so. But right across the border, we know that there's a huge degree of, of instability. And there are lots and lots, there of, is indeed. lots of Mozambicans who are in a very, very sad situation, especially up in the north. I mean, essentially, there, there are terrorists who are busy making it ungovernable there. What's the latest story from Mozambique, and what's the latest situation report from there? Well, we had the Sadiq Troika, you know, on politics, security, and, uh, and they they said we should send, or we they agreed to send a stabilization force yeah. from Sadiq. Now the pledges were made, but in fact, the what they call the uh, troop agreement w- was not signed in time. The status of forces agreement wasn't signed in time for the troops to get there by the fifteenth. In fact, the Rwandans arrived, and they're not members of SADC, and that terribly much unsettled uh, the uh, South Africans and other members of SADC. What is going to happen is the South Africans will lead this operation, and they're going to go and look, and if the security situation is adequate, they might not send a full brigade, and that's the situation. But now we have Nozifu Mapisa and Gakula, who, can you believe what she says? Well, not if you believe uh, our president. Either her or Cyril, wasn't an insurrection. But he's saying, she's saying, you know, this is the problem. We should be, we should be there, but we're not because we didn't haven't signed the force agreement. Uh, The the uh, the thing is, of course, our troops are now busy with Operation Prosper. Twenty five thousand of them. When you know, for every boot on the ground you put somewhere else, uh, you need three or four back home. And and we just don't have that sort of number. But JJ, so it's very sad. JJ, what you're telling me yeah. is what you're telling me is that these these are bureaucratic bunglings. The people of Mozambique are no better off, despite all the promises and goodwill in the world, because of bad bureaucracy, decision making, and processes that are not followed properly. This is the kind of thing that you know people are dying because politicians aren't doing what they promised. Starting with the Mozambican politicians, Felipe Nyosi, he wasn't uh, terribly happy about getting anybody in. Nobody is no. happy about inviting other troops into your country. But here he is. He's, he's now having training from the uh, European Union. 
and uh, the Rwandans are there, a thousand of them to help. But South Africa has always said, we can't go in alone. This is too big a, 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 a job for us. But we have to go in as part of a regional force. Right. And once this is agreed, these South Africans are still not there. Now, does this mean that Operation Prosper is going to slow that factor down? What does it get? How is that going to affect it? This is bad news, I'm sad to say, for the people of Cabo Delgado because the no, group who call them, who call themselves ISIS are still operating there and, uh, and, uh, the, the international efforts to get them out haven't worked. And that's very, very sad. So, JJ, what's happening in Tunisia? Because that's a place we haven't spoken about since the Arab Spring, with one or two exceptions here and there for migrants who are trying to cross the the, the Mediterranean to get to greener pastures in Europe. Uh, but Tunisia generally is not is not the place that comes up regularly in our in our discussions about Africa, right? What an interesting little country, sandwiched between Libya and uh, Algeria. Rough mm. neighbors, eh? mm. uh, and of course, a country that plays the game. It really does punch above its weight. Tunisians, you say to them, you Arab? Yep, we're Arab. Uh, you're African? Yep, we're African. Uh, and, and well, we're also North African, as it happens. And we, we're just practically just a little bit of sea between us. We're just about Europeans. So in all the international games they play, I, I've got a lot of time for the Tunisians. Now, they are making uh, uh, real inroads into fighting the jihadis. And, of course, there were the attacks uh, uh, at the museum in uh, Tunis, in the capital, and then at the uh, beach resort where there were uh, dozens of foreigners killed, Brits particularly. Mm-hmm. Tunisia relies absolutely on tourism uh, revenue, and, and it was closed off as a tourist destination. Well, it's no longer on the... Uh, list of countries on the blacklist of countries from the financial uh, task force, internationally finan- uh, task force established by the G7 because it's managed to tighten control over the uh, porous borders that it has. Yep. It's degraded the ability of the cells affiliated to Al-Qaeda in the Islamic Maghreb and ISIS and uh, it's dismantling these terrorist cells. So it's done a lot of work there. Unfortunately, it's not doing terribly well on COVID, and yep. it's one of the countries, along with uh, South Africa, Namibia, Uganda, Zambia, accounting for 83% of the COVID cases in, in Africa. And, uh, you know, of course, uh, uh, the, the Delta strain making particular inroads there. What they've done in Tunisia is draft the military in on vaccination duty. And, and they're getting help from China, France, Turkey, Italy, United Arab Emirates, and Algeria. Uh, but it does have the highest per capita rate of deaths from COVID in Africa. It's got a much smaller population. Uh, so but that's it, why but it, it does. That it occurs. Does, um, but it's a good at yin and yang, I'm afraid, in Tunisia. Yeah. I mean, COVID notwithstanding, it sounds like they've got their heads screwed on, screwed on right. And, and fr- frankly, even though you say they... They claim to be all of those things. They can factually say that they are African, North African, Arab. They're also partly European. I mean, there are probably a few Tunisians in Europe who would agree with that. So, I mean, all in all, it's an interesting place to pay attention to, and I'm glad that we got to mention them this morning. What about our friends in Ethiopia and that grand Ethiopian Renaissance dam that you've been telling us about for weeks now? What's going on there? Because it's nearing completion. Uh 
I always look up the, the dam because I know you like it, and, yes. and you do rightly so, because it is uh, going to be the biggest story in Africa for some time to come. The second filling of that reservoir behind what has already been built is nearly complete, says right. Ethiopia. Woo-woo. Yeah, we're just about to start generating <laughs> electric power. Well, downstream, the Riparian country, Sudan and Egypt, go into a deep, deep sulk on this one because uh-huh. the, the water, uh, the, they worry about their security and they say that uh, the, it, it will impact on their dams and water stations. And certainly there was an angry outburst from Sudan yesterday about this. You know, you're boasting about this, but it's going to affect us badly. Interestingly, the United Nations Security Council has been brought in. Now, Ethiopia has always said, you didn't talk to us about this while uh, you you were the colonial power, Britain. Suddenly, everybody wants to talk to us about the Lyle, which we've always had, and we've always had a right to. So, you know, take that. Suck it up. The thing that they brought in the United Nations Security Council, who don't want to get involved, in a water dispute, yeah, they're about peace and security, and they don't want to get involved, but they were finally drafted in, and they said to you, the African Union, you're the guys. You should be mediating in this. Well, of course, we have been. African Union has, and as president of the African Union, Cyril Ramaphosa, our president, tried to mediate at one point, but the uh, uh, Egyptians and, the, well, not so much the Sudanese, but certainly the Egyptians said, no, 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 no. You are pro-Ethiopia. Well, you know, feelings run very high at this time, so you don't have to do much to be seen as pro one side or the other in this. But the point is it remains a very, very controversial issue because there are other countries along the dam, along the Nile, who want to build dams. So uh, this is going to make Ethiopia the largest producer of hydroelectric power on the continent, and it delights it. And uh, Abiy Ahmed uh, has serious other problems to deal with, not to mention T. Gray and yeah. and others. He's just had this landslide election victory, so he's, he's he's a little bit buoyed at the moment. But the GERD, the Grand Ethiopian Renaissance Dam, is his sort of success story, and uh, he's not going to give up on that. And there's nothing anybody can do, certainly not the United Nations. You know, what are they going to in, in terms so, of so, they, the, uh, the, the Security Council, the only group that can take affirmative action. What affirmative action can you take so against JJ, building a dam? I just heard break you, it down. You used <laughs> uh, you used the insider term "good," the Grand Ethiopian Renaissance Dam. Is that what we're allowed to call it if we know what's going on? Thanks to you, so we can say "good" and people will think we know everything. Yes, I, it's not. It is. I, I would like to do that. Yeah. <laughs> so you can say Chev yeah. and Bry, meaning Chevrolet and Bry right. Flays. Okay. And and, and that's good. it. Yeah. Now we can say good okay. with with uh, impunity. We can we can be ready to have people go. Excuse me. I'm. I don't mean to sound ignorant, but what is the good? And we can go. Oh, you know, you need to listen to JJ Cornish. Then, then you say, do you not listen to Jean Jacques Cornish? For God's <laughs> sakes. Yeah. <laughs> All right, JJ. Well, that's I mean, you. Are you one of those turds that you can't polish? <laughs> I love it. Thank you so much, sir. It's always good to see you. Au revoir. We'll see you in a couple of days. Very Looking good. forward to it. There's JJ Cornish. African Analysis is He's brought awesome. to you by the Johannesburg Business School. You can join us um, every every two weeks or so where we check in with JJ and see what's going on on the continent. The good. I like that. Yeah, oh, well, I mean, mm. yeah, if you have heard. 
Good and turd. We've we've learned two really important things from JJ this week. Don't say yeah. it's always serious. All right, well, one can be one can't be polished, and the other can't be mediated. That's how you tell That's the difference exactly between the good right. and the turd. Spot on. Cliffcentral.com.